Good morning, good morning, good morning. morning. Everybody had a good Christmas? Yes. Good to be here, kind of sandwiched in between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, It will be uh, my pleasure to kind of start thinking about turning the corner and looking at the new year. And I've chosen a text from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. How many of you are fans of Isaiah? Sure. I think it's one of those books that it's like it's big and it's robust, but it's in the Old Testament and you probably don't read it that often. Uh, There is a couple of verses uh, in chapter 43 that I want to pull out. It's not that I want to separate it from the context of the Isaiah story, but we're going to look kind of big picture through the Bible at how God likes new things. Yeah, new year, new things, get it? Segway? All right. So, uh, and I'm going really old school. Inside your bulletin, uh, there's a half sheet, and on both sides, I've got a little bit more than an outline, and uh, I'm going to see if this helps me to be a little bit more focused and use my time better. So, we're going to jump right into this text in Isaiah 43, and I actually have it printed out on your handout. How about that? Can't get much easier than that. Yeah, I got one boo-boo, so I'm going to have to tell you about a typo in just a minute. But I think it'll help. So uh, some of the folks are at tables. They'll be in an especially good place. They can make some notes and jot some things down. So, so here's what Isaiah says in chapter 43, verses 8. Oh, by the way, my name is Dwayne Davis. I'm director of discipleship. Uh, some folks, uh, because I don't speak very often, they've never met me before. And uh, even though I've been here for almost two years, I just realized in the cycle of me being here and you being here, our paths may not have crossed. So I'm filling in for Pastor Julie, and uh, she is taking some time off to be with family and to rest and enjoy the holidays. So we're, we're grateful for that. So I'm filling in, pinch hitting. All right, we'll see if I can hit the ball, at least get a single, <laughs> maybe a double. So here is... Well, let's set the context just, just briefly. So Isaiah writes uh, his, his prophetic ministry is about from 740 B.C. to 700-ish B.C., okay? So you've got to remember when you're going back to the Old Testament, time is, is going the opposite direction, right? 740 to 700, things go backwards. So <clears throat> the, the best way I can sum up, imagine if in the world today... North Korea or China or Russia is really amping up the, either the cyber warf- warfare game or the nuclear warfare game. And it's not just something we hear on the news that might happen, but it's like I- imminent. It's impending. It's like things are really happening on the world scene. It's like our lives are going to change drastically, right? Now, now, we hear all of that banter happening now, But it's not that it's imminent or impending. Would would that kind of make sense? Imagine that everything is dialed up and you have this man of God, Isaiah, who's saying it is going to happen. And you have enough history with prophets to know that when prophets speak, they're usually right. Okay? This is the context out of which we read these verses. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah is all about the impending doom and the bad things that are going to happen. Once we get to chapter 40, going through 66, it's these 
words of comfort, these words of promise, these words that better things are coming in spite of the calamity that is also coming, okay? So we've got this interesting thing going on. Here's what Isaiah says now on the comfort encouragement side of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, we might add the word look. Open your eyes. God is saying, I am doing a new thing. Even now, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, Old Testament writers, especially prophets, are very flowery and wordy and word pictures when they describe things. But this idea, when things are going bad, it feels like a desert. Our very mouths are parts. We are thirsty. We are crying out for something to happen. This is the context of this promise that Isaiah gives. And I like to kind of use that for us today. What is it today as we look at 2020 and a new decade? Where are those places where we want to really look at the new things that God is going to do and we want to turn away and forget the past from the way things were, right? Classic kind of beginning of the year message for us today. So there are a number of times in the scriptures where God talks about new things that he's going to do. Jeremiah 31, 31, the prophet Jeremiah says in announcing uh, this new covenant, he says, God is going to make this new covenant with his people, and it's not going to be like the old covenant. Now, when God does new things, so I got a new sweatshirt for Christmas, okay, it's very similar to my old sweatshirt, sweatshirt, except it doesn't have paint and bleach and all kinds of junk on it. It's nice and new and crisp. It's a new sweatshirt, but it's not new in kind. It's pretty much like my old sweatshirt. Is just new, right? There are different ways we use the word new. When God talks about new things and a new covenant, God is going to do something radically new in this new covenant we call the covenant of grace, covenant of law, the covenant of grace. God says, I'm going to do something new, and he tells Jeremiah, and he tells us. In Ezekiel, the same kind of thing, Ezekiel 36, 26, he says that in this new covenant... It's going to be so radically new, it's going to be as if we have new minds. It's going to be so radically new, it's going to be as if we have new hearts. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that's my typo, so you notice my third bullet point, I left out a one, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when this new covenant, when we embrace this new covenant in Jesus, it is so amazing that we literally become new creations. It is something new that happens to us when we encounter Jesus. It's so radically new. It's a new creation. It's not like the old creation. It's new. And then in Revelation 21, 5, talking about the future kingdom, God says, Behold, I am making everything new. I think God likes new things. Are you with me? God likes to do new things. And here's the big idea. How can we enter into this new year with new expectations, 
of the new things that God wants to do in us and through us. Wouldn't that be great? How can we look at this new year differently so we can embrace the new things that God has for us? So the first thing I think that we need to do, according to Isaiah 43, is that we need to learn how to forget the former things and not to dwell on the past. Now, there is a lie out there that our past determines our future. I don't know if you've heard that kind of philosophy before, but it's not true. Our past does not determine our future. <clears throat> it's even to the point where in science they've realized that we have an amazing capacity to actually experience change because our brains are so adaptive and able to learn things new. They, they have people who have different types of brain damage or through the process of aging, research has shown that our brains can learn new things at a scientific level, here's what I'm talking right now, that we are not determined to continue to do the same things. We can learn new things. We know that just through science. The Bible tells us that because of this radical encounter of God through the Holy Spirit, we can move to a new level and learn new things. That's what the whole creation message is about. But the first step in getting to the, these new things is we've got to forget the old things, right? I think it's kind of like, duh. So in Luke chapter 5, Jesus gave this analogy, and, and really that's what Jesus was the master of, is finding something that people understood the principles in this world, and he applied it to the realm of the kingdom. Yes? So in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 37, he's talking about this idea of old wine and new wine. Now, probably most of us have never made wine before, but we know that there's a fermentation process so that as wine gets older, it, it becomes what it's destined to be, right? Everybody gets the analogy, even though you've never made wine before, you understand how that works. And so he says that with this new wine of this new thing that God wants to do, it's very important that we prepare the container, ourselves, our minds, our hearts, to be able to flex and expand with the new wine. Why? Because in the process of fermentation, oxygen is kind of released, and if you have it in a very tight, closed container, what's gonna happen? You can actually talk back to me now. What's gonna happen? Boom! It's going to be like New Year's fireworks, right? The idea is, and here's, here's the big idea, because of God's power in us, we have this explosive new kind of nature within us, and to accommodate that, the old way of doing things cannot contain that power. And the old ways of thinking the ways we've always done things, even maybe our failures, right? We've got to let those things go because the container of our past failures cannot contain the new wine. Yes? The new wine is dynamic and it's constantly changing us more into the image of Jesus. Our stinking thinking that holds on to our failures is not consistent with the new life that God wants to do in us and through us. Now, there's an irony. Jesus acknowledges that there is something about our propensity to like old wine. 
Okay, so he goes on later in verse 39 of chapter 5 of Luke. He says, no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. And that's the reality with wine, playing with the analogy here, that once you've had the old wine that's ready to drink, it's much better than new. And so we've got, I believe, as we go into 2020, realize that there's going to be a part of us, Bible calls it the old man, that's going to want to hold us back. And we've got to fight against that tendency and say, no, I am not going down that road anymore. I embrace the new. I embrace the new creation that God has given for me. Number two, the second thing that Isaiah says is that we need to look around and see what God is doing. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? The context of this statement is he's going back to the time where the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and God was able to actually bring water miraculously out of a rock. The Israelites could not see the miraculous provision in the rock. They had to believe and trust, right, that God could supply that need. I don't know if any fans of Polar Express, I just realized that Polar Express was actually intentionally written with Christian overtones. I did not know that until most recent showing. I, I could see that it was there, but I didn't know it was intentional. And the idea is not that seeing is believing, but believing is actually seeing or perceiving is the analogy that the film is playing with, correct? So in this case, when we step into the realm of the new thing that God wants to do us, we step into the realm where we believe first and then we see. The Israelites had to learn to trust in God, to believe even when they couldn't see the water, what? That the water was going to be there. Look around. Do you perceive what God is doing? Focus on the things that are Godlike, the things that have his signature, fill your mind with those kinds of things. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, think about these things. We forget the old, we forget our failures. We don't listen to so much the news of all the impending North Korea, Russia, China, right? All of that brings fear. When we perceive and look at what God is doing, something amazing begins to happen. Last year, uh, about this time, I did the 21-day challenge of going 21 days without complaining, criticizing, or gossiping. How many of you actually did the, the purple bracelet challenge? Okay. The purpose of that challenge was to think of something practically we could do so that we would change an old pattern. Our old pattern is, is to think about things that are negative, and so we tend to complain or criticize or gossip. When we turn from that and say, no, I'm going to use my mouth for blessing, that is an intentional turn away from the past into a new future. So, second thing, look around 
and see what God is doing and join him on his new mission in 2020. And then finally, number three, he says in that last part of verse 19, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am making a way in the wilderness. The gospel is amazing good news because it's about what God does for us and in us. Jesus came into a world that had become very, very religious. Now, when I say the word religious, what I mean is that all of the activities and behaviors were reduced to a list of codes and rules. So the Israelites, especially the religious scholars, took the basic principles for living or commandments of God and kept adding to them and adding to them and adding to them so that the weight of the old covenant kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And so that the experts in the law were no longer those people who actually did what God said. They were like lawyers and attorneys who argued about what God said. Their focus was on arguing and learning rather than actually doing the commandments. That's what happened at the time that Jesus came onto the scene. Here's the deal about the new covenant. God says, I am going to provide a new way so that you don't have to do all of that work to keep the rules. I am actually going to do all of that for you through my covenant with Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus gives this amazing picture. It doesn't quite spell it out in Matthew chapter 11, but here's what I think he's saying. He's talking about this idea that when you're actually plowing a field in the olden days, you would have an ox, oxen, and they would be yoked together, and you would have two that would actually pull the plow. Yes, you've seen that before. When Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I think he's referring to is that if we imagine in this yoke scenario, which again, you guys haven't made wine lately, and you probably haven't plowed a field with ox lately, correct? No one's actually hooked up ox to a yoke before, so you've got to use your imagination. But I think what Jesus is saying in that invitation, if you have bought into religion, and in 2019, 2018, 2017, your whole Christian life, it has felt like just a weight of another thing I need to do, another thing I need to do, another thing I need to do, the weight of all of that, Jesus looks around and says, that's not the way it works. I am being yoked alongside Jesus in this journey we call Christianity, in this new way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he invites us in 2020, why not stop striving? Why not stop working so hard to please God? And why not just rest in a relationship with Jesus that just looks like you're yoked with him? That's a great picture as you go through your day tomorrow, the rest of the day today. When you start feeling your stress start to amp up a little bit, 
just kind of look over to the side and imagine, believing is seeing, that Jesus is actually there carrying the weight. He carried the weight of our sins, yes. He carried the weight of pleasing the Father, yes. He did all of these things for us through the new covenant. All that Jesus says is, come to me if you feel that weight, that labor, and that frustration. Now, what I've found on the days that I do this, something amazing happens. On those days when I turn and just look to Jesus and realize he's right there, I don't have to work to please you, Father. Something happens in my heart. It's just a little bit lighter. It feels a bit freer. My capacity to love you is greater. My capacity to forgive you is greater. My capacity to think good thoughts is just amazing when I do that. That is the way of Jesus. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. So that is my blessing for 2020, that as you go out today, as you go out this week, that you will find those moments as you turn and you see him, believing is seeing, I have faith that he is there, I have faith that he is carrying that yoke, I have faith that I am not doing the lion's share of work, that Jesus is doing the lion's share of the work, I have faith that he knows where to navigate the yoke, continue to play out the analogy, that somehow the things that I do are easier. In fact, my productivity goes up and I actually enjoy the work that I do. Now, wouldn't that be great in 2020? The things that feel burdensome, the things that feel heavy, the things that seem frustrating and I just don't get much done, suddenly God says, let me enter into that and I will make it productive. Let's pray. Father, thank you. It's an amazing, profound truth that Jesus is the way. It's not that we're trying to learn a bunch of principles so we can follow the way. He is the way. And it's like he provides springs in the desert, springs in the wasteland where we're refreshed. So, Father, we just long for that season where life is not so hard. I pray for those today that feel that impending doom through the news or they feel a sense of burden like, oh Lord, I don't feel comfort. I don't feel hope and optimism. Lord, I pray that there'll just be a gentle touch of your spirit right now that people's hope will be increased. So turn up the hope, Lord. Turn up the courage. Father, we pray that you would just show up in us in a big way in 2020 and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Awesome to be with you. Have a wonderful 2020. And we'll see you back next week. Yes? Yes.